back to the Mastering Risk Management podcast. I'm Anthony Wilson, and uh, thanks for tuning in again to the Mastering Risk Management series. So today we're having a bit of a chat about a pressing problem, and we've got a, an expert that's going to help us work through some of the challenges. So we've all seen lately, um, and, and particularly in the Australian context, we've seen flooding, uh, we've seen uh, all sorts of wild weather events, um, we've seen fires, all sorts of things going on in nature that are that are really challenging, and um, you know there is change going on. So uh, you know if the science is in, there is no doubt. But there are things that organisations probably should be doing and can do to help navigate some of this risk. And today we're thrilled to be joined by uh, Toby Kraft, and Toby is the chief executive officer and co-founder of Terran. So let me just read you a little bit about Toby. So he believes in market-based solutions for global sustainability and has built a career by analysing environmental data that can solve real-world problems. He co-founded Terran to cultivate a company culture and mission to transform data into solutions for a safer and more sustainable planet. Toby extends his passion for innovation to the outdoors, where he's happy skiing on the remote mountains of Colorado, from where he joins us today. So welcome, Toby. Yeah, thanks, Anthony, and and appreciate you having me on the podcast. And um, yeah, glad I'm, I get to be a part of the series. Excellent. No, thank you. And I'm I'm sort of shivering here, and it's only about eight or nine degrees. I imagine Colorado gets a hell of a lot cooler than that. <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, it we, we're in the in between stage right now. We're we're wow. getting uh, snowstorms one weekend, and the next weekend it's uh, eighty degrees and sunny. Uh, but wow. I call it the sweet spot because we can still ski, we can mountain bike, and uh, if you like kayaking and that's your cup of tea or golf, you can do that too. So all sports are on the table right now. Fantastic. That's excellent. Sounds like a wonderful place to be. And I haven't had the fortune to go to Colorado yet, but I must put it on the bucket list. So let's talk about you for a start. Toby, what is your background? How did you get started in your career? What got you into the into the field? Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've always had a, a passionate streak for entrepreneurialism, uh, you know, starting uh, in high school with my own painting and landscaping business and really just love business and the idea of starting and running my own operation. But, you know, then came the question of, okay, what are we going to study in school? And, you know, of course, major pressing issues with related to climate change. And of course, I love recreating in the environment and have always had a, a strong connection there. And so a lot of those things really guided my educational path down the natural resources route. And so I studied uh, natural resources management and spatial information systems at Colorado State University. And if you're unfamiliar with spatial information systems, in the context of this program, it's really about digitizing the environment so that we can yeah. begin to understand understand some of the complex relationships that are taking place specifically in regards to climate change. Fantastic. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fascinating area. I, uh, I looked at, and I actually do own a drone and operate a drone, and I actually have a drone operator's uh, license here in Australia. And it was looking at this very concept of how do you use drone technology to better understand the environment and, you know, earth and use it for agriculture and all those sorts of needs. But uh, Unfortunately, I got all passionate about risk management, so I got stuck into that instead. So, <laughs> so no, it'd be great to, to find out more about uh, using spatial data and, and particularly in the business context. So tell us about Terran and, you know, in layman's terms, without too much of that technical jargon, uh, what it is Terran does and, and how it applies itself. Yeah, so what uh, – and actually, you kind of brought up something really 
pertinent there, Anthony, and that drones and the application of using drones to understand changes in the environment. And that really was the initial spark that started this whole idea that has metamorphosized into Terran. Uh, you know, 2015, commercial drone craze is hitting. And, you know, drones are going to solve the world's problems, right? We're going to be getting pizzas delivered. Amazon's going to be delivering packages. And, you know, this is the future has arrived, right? And so, and that's all great. But really the piece that that excited me the most, as you just touched on, was now all of a sudden we had the ability to go spend $1,500 on a, you know, DJI Phantom and take that out into the field, set a survey grid, map it and produce rich, high fidelity, temporal data sets that would allow us to start to better understand and analyze changes that are happening in the environment. And so with my background being spatial information systems, natural resource management, you know, I started looking at how we could directly apply a lot of the data science techniques that we would use, you know, with satellite data, which is much coarser resolution, not yeah. as temporally relevant, but to start to kind of leverage a lot of that same core technology to then begin to interpret and understand from a you know higher fidelity, more spatial temporal resolution basis what's happening uh, on the Earth's surface, and of course looked at all different applications for you know where that would be applicable and major land use and in industries such as oil and gas, energy, renewable development, all of those jumped off the page, and so we really focused early on on how we could help asset owners understand both their impacts to the environment, but then also how the environment could potentially impact their assets. And, uh, you know, because, you know, as we like to say, climate risk is business risk. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of our customers have already been stung by that bee more than once. So, you know, it was a, you know, it continues to be a, a, a mounting pain for these industries. And as a result, the pressure came back to us to say, okay, guys, the drone data was really cool. That's really novel. We own thousands of miles of infrastructure in North America. How can you provide us this data at scale? And that's really where Terran really kind of metamorphosized into what it is today. We pulled a bunch of really talented folks um, out of academia, out of big tech and Silicon Valley to come in and and help design a ground up solution that would allow us to hyperscale the processing of huge geospatial remotely sensed data sets and then interpret them at a really fine resolution so that we could pinpoint where these risks were on these assets and help these operators and managers prioritize where they mitigate and protect their assets from those external or environmental threats. Wow. Okay. So, so just to, to help me understand, so is that piecing together uh, whole different pieces of data from different inputs? Where, where, where is the source data coming from? Is that typically drones and those applications, aircraft, or or satellite as well, or a combination of all of the above? Yeah, so so we like to think of ourselves as data agnostic. You know, we will pick the right tool to solve the problem. However, our core differentiation in the marketplace right now is built around LIDAR technology and more specifically airborne LIDAR. So aircraft being the acquisition vessel um, of choice. And, and the reason that is, is that really LIDAR is kind of the best tool for scanning the surface of the earth. It can penetrate 
canopy, it can see through vegetation, and then there's a geodetic fidelity to it as well so that you can measure change over time and start to capture at a really fine resolution, you know, what changes are taking place flight to flight. And so that's really what the core of our technology was built around and continues to be the dominant uh, remote sensing technology that we use today. Yeah, great. Great. Thank you. So what are the typical applications? So you mentioned oil and gas and some of the energy industries, those sort of things. So what what's a typical engagement? Yeah, so I like to kind of boil the, the problem down to climate resilience analytics. That's really what Taryn focuses on. And if we think about kind of the state of this, you know, kind of broader risk market right now, you know, a lot of the climate analytics companies that are out there, you know, the focus is really on scenario based modeling. You know, yeah. if, if global temperatures rise 1.5 degrees Celsius, then we can, you know, in Australia, you can expect to see X amount more flooding and wildfire, et cetera, et cetera. Right? So we're getting kind of bombarded with this information. Yeah. And where we saw a gap in the marketplace was, OK, great. We know that's happening. You know, let's do what we can to try to curb that. However, if you own assets in those geographies, what options are you left with? And that's really where this this idea of climate resilience analytics manifested itself. And I'll give you just kind of a a couple of examples to answer your question of how we do that today. So. One, I'm talking to you right now from our house in the foothills of the Rockies, which is a wildfire prone area. You know, the latest risk models have come out and said that the you know, historical fire regimes have changed. This is a really high risk place to own assets. And we just spoke with our insurance underwriter and they said that if we were to buy our house today, they would not underwrite our home. And, and and this is a problem that's happening all throughout the Western U.S. and I'm sure other places on the globe as well. And, you know, the problem is, is I own an asset here. What options do I have? And so what Taryn does is we provide data at the asset level with this high fidelity LIDAR that shows the vegetation profile of a property so that homeowners know exactly where they should go out, which trees to cut, which limbs to cut, which shrubs to remove, ladder fuels, et cetera. And then we come in and we verify after that's happened. So we can detect change at that centimeter scale that then allows us to say, okay, you had these conditions, which added this much risk to your property, you mitigated and thin those fuels. And now you've reduced your fire risk by up to 37%. And you can report that information back to insurers, other you know, potential buyers of your home down the road, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's one example. Another example is, you know, the thing we hear about with climate change a lot is increased flooding, increased hurricanes, you know, heavy precipitation events, drought, you, you name it, right? We, we hear the perils all the time. But the thing that I think that we sometimes overlook is that, okay, increased precipitation, uh, you know, we get that that can create flooding, things like that. But really what's happening is with increased temperatures and precipitation, you're accelerating a lot of geologic processes. And so, you know, one of the more persistent issues that we see a lot of our customers facing is an uptick in geohazards and uh, landslide and, and soil movement as a result of, of all those factors I just mentioned. And so, We started working with a lot of pipeline operators that had networks of thousands of miles of pipe, 
and they were dealing with incidents and outages and spills and releases and, you know, really needed some way to tackle this problem. And, you know, at the time there were only solutions out there that would say, okay, there's landslide risk in this entire region. And that wasn't enough to really help guide them to where they should protect their assets or which landslides they need to fix. And so Taryn came in with a solution that identifies those hazards, uh, predicts where they're most likely to occur on the landscape, uh, and then prioritizes uh, which of those the operators should pay the most attention to so that then they're allocating their spend and, you know, bang for buck, getting the most return out of those precious operational expense dollars. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's that's great. And, and will you sometimes, Toby, be engaged by insurers to do that work so that they can get a bit of a picture before they take on an asset? Yeah, yes, actually, that's that's one of the emerging markets that, that Taryn's getting into. We've historically worked with asset owners, but now uh, stepping into that insurance space to help better inform underwriting decisions, as well as uh, the claims process. So we'll do kind of pre and post incident mapping to show the effects uh, of a lot of these these climate related events. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And and are you also engaged on projects? And I, and I guess we're talking mega projects, probably not not single sort of structures. But are you also engaged in projects where uh, I'm proposing to build a solar farm and I'm going to build it in this particular spot? Uh, can you tell me the the hazards or the things I've got to deal with before I go and commit that money? Is that the sort of activity you're also into? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Anthony. The the solar industry is is exploding, you know, yeah. particularly in North America and and really all over the globe as we look to transition from legacy fuel sources. And one of the things that you know we're seeing is that there's a lot more pressure, both from you know kind of the investor side of things, to say, you know, how do we know that this solar installation is going to be resilient to you know natural catastrophes and climate related events and yeah. you know one of the things that Terran does is you know we provide really high precision high accuracy topography which yeah. informs a lot of downstream civil engineering workflows and things to that effect but we also provide a suite of analytics that look at hydrologic conditions and you know uh, potential for inundation flooding yeah. Etc. So that right out of the gate, even maybe before they've chosen a site, they can look at you know what is it going to take to make this site resilient to these these types of an ev- events. And so that that has been an emerging market, and and we're really excited to be a part of it. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. There, as you say, these are massive investments, and um, you, you want some assurance that the at least the natural world is not going to come out to attack you. You might have some commercial enemies, but hopefully the, the natural world is going to, going to look after you when you uh, invest all of these dollars. Now, that's great. So what um, sort of projects have you been involved in with, say, oil and gas? Is that the pipeline type stuff? Yeah. So what we're finding in in the pipeline industry is that, you know, with a lot of the onshore development that's happened in the U.S. in the past couple decades, we have more infrastructure that's been built in the last 15 years than the previous 50. And yeah. so you couple 
that amount of infrastructure with this, you know, these, you know, the increase in frequency and intensity of, of storms and, and climate related events. And now all of a sudden you have sort of the perfect storm of things colliding where, you know, operators a lot of times don't even know these risks exist. They've either purchased the asset or they've recently built it. So they don't have a lot of data for that region. And the industry right now is really good at understanding all the things from the inside of the pipe out. They use these tools that they send down the pipeline that called inline inspection. It looks for cracks, deformation, corrosion, things that could potentially cause a failure and uh, analyze that in great detail and report that back. Well, what we've realized is that, you know, the big gap in the industry and what a lot of the internal risk managers are, are dealing with right now is that, hey, we understand what's happening on the inside of the pipe out, but it's everything from the outside of the pipe in that's, you know, we're seeing cause a lot of failures that we really have a huge lack of data on. And so Terran has developed what we call a right-of-way integrity management solution that's built specific to that type of thing. So we can fly over, map a pipeline, we can measure, uh, well, we can detect geohazards, so the signature of a landslide or stream bank erosion, things like that. Uh, we can measure how those things are changing over time. We can measure soil loss to make sure that the pipe is, doesn't get exposed, which accelerates corrosion and can, can lead to failures, and then check a whole bunch of regulatory boxes as well for those companies. And so that's that's really been, you know, one of the, the biggest growth markets for us and and continues to be uh, as uh, the industry becomes more acutely aware of these problems. No, that's fantastic. And, and I guess the use cases for this stuff is almost endless, isn't it? The uh, Just, and you mentioned right away, we did some work with a gas pipeline operator and that right away and the encroachment and, you know, um, building a school right beside the thing, for instance, you know, those sort of things that you can start to get some intelligence on and think about this stuff with a little bit more sort of forewarning rather than uh, wondering why we did it after after the event. And uh, I just reflect on, we put solar panels on our house some time ago and uh, I said to the company, well, do you want to come out and have a look at the house? And they said, no, no, we can see all of that stuff. We can see exactly where it's got to go and those sort of things. We've got the, the geodata. So, you know, the applications are, are really endless, aren't they? They are, yep. So I, I guess this is, sounds like it would be fairly rewarding stuff. What's the thing that really, you know, you're really proud of doing in, in this job? What are the things that give you great satisfaction? You know, what's interesting, Anthony, is that we, you know, climate change has been a very controversial topic for the past couple of decades. And, you know, coming from that background, you know, educationally, you know, I really wanted to see a world where, you know, the there were more market-based solutions and more adoption of market-based solutions to help us, uh, you know, combat climate change and just improve global sustainability overall. And in my short career and in the short time that we've been been building this company, I mean, it was like, you know, we we really focused on rubber meets the road. You know, we didn't even use climate change, right? We work with a lot of hydrocarbon based companies and things like that. And it was more like, hey, these are real costs. These these are real business risks that you have. And, you know, and that was you know, what gave birth to this business. So we knew we were directly solving a problem. We weren't just greenwashing, you know, anything that we were, you know, the services that we're providing. And now, 
with you know recent developments in environmental social governance uh, and ESG reporting criteria, you're starting to see you know more pledges from a lot of big energy companies to be carbon neutral by certain dates. It's suddenly there isn't as much stigma around these topics. And what's great is that we've been here all along, and now all of a sudden, what Taryn's doing and what we've been doing, these companies can then take credit for in their impact reporting that investors are getting really excited about. So it's just kind of like, what are these situations where we happen to be skating to to where the puck's going? And it's sort of uh, all culminated in very timely manner uh, so that we feel really well positioned. And and not only that, I think everyone inside of Terran feels proud of what we've done as a company because you can measure it. We can measure it. We can report on it. We can verify that, in fact, we have reduced risk for these operators. And, you know, and that risk is stems from everything to, you know, what could potentially cause negative impacts in the environment with a release or spill, or as you just mentioned, blowing up a house or a school or, you know, causing damage to human lives. And, and that's all, you know, quantifiable data now that we can look back on and say, you know, we did that, right. And, and by the way, we saved them money and, you know, in in the process. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. It must be nice operating in the environment today where, you know, that, that first argument, challenge, you know, pushback, all of that sort of stuff has been sort of one and done, as it were, and um, people get the argument that uh, this is the right thing to do. And, and actually, it's a, it's a good thing for business. It's not, it's not an add-on. It's not, not cream on the cake. It's sort of fairly basic to keep the business going. So what is Terran's footprint? Have you got dreams of global domination? Are you going to be able to map the planet? Or what, what is your, your current scope of operations and what are the plans? Yeah, well, uh, you know, being in my seat, you, you always have to have a global agenda, right? <laughs> um, and, uh, and and so, so yeah, I mean, I, I think right now for Terran, we have what we call content programs. So we go out and do these, you know, large scale mapping efforts uh, and, you know, produce this really rich data, which then we sell downstream to many different customers, consumers, be it transportation, utilities, pipelines. And and so really what we see is our broader market opportunity is, uh, and we're geospatial nerds too, right? So we love to look at the data. And yeah. so we we look at, you know, kind of these, these climate models to identify pain, right? Where are these issues? Where's there going to be increased storm events, increased precipitation, drought, wildfire conditions, et cetera. And then we look at the relationship between that infrastructure density, population densities, and we delineate what we call a content region. And one of which we have right now is on the East Coast of the United States. Uh, It's about 10,000 square miles. We fly that at uh, 10 centimeter resolution uh, twice Uh annually, providing Uh change twice a year to those customers. And what's exciting to me is that with the technology that we've built, we're barely scratching the surface of the capacity we have to be mapping this data at scale worldwide. And so, you know, what our goal is as a company is to go out, seed these regions, start capturing the data, bring that data to market, democratize access to these climate resilient analytics so that folks can get more temporal, higher resolution insights to what's happening on their assets and make business critical decisions in the face of a lot of these, these major risks. Wow. No, that's great. The sky's the limit, as they say. The sky's the limit. So um, think of yourself back when you were studying and thinking about what you're going to do with life. And there's a 
there's a young person just contemplating what they want to do with themselves, what would your advice be for someone thinking about a, a career, trying to get into this industry? What's your advice for success? You know, I, I, that's a great question, Anthony. And, you know, kind of coming from the environmental background and then, you know, of course, now I've got my scars from, you know, the school of hard knocks and, and learning yep. the business world. You know, the thing that I would say that, you know, as many passionate environmentalists out there uh, tend to gravitate toward you know more of these belief systems that hey we're we're just we're just ruining the planet this, this, this you know the trains out of the station and and it, until we make sort of dramatic changes to our economic systems and how things function it could feel sort of deflating and powerless and so it drives you know a lot more activism and things like that and i think that my advice to folks that are in you know that situation right now in academia would be to you know one maybe consider taking some business classes and starting to kind of understand, you know, more of how these economic systems work so that we can begin to shape them and influence them and not, you know, necessarily feel defeated by the, you know, the size of the problem and also to be able to provide more market-friendly solutions versus the alternative, which is regulation and and nobody likes that and often ends up in a stalemate. And I think that's where the opportunity is for change. And I think the more because there's just brilliant people in these younger generations that are passionate about this and studying it. And the more we can kind of bring them into that, that school of thought, I think the more industry will grab onto it and the faster we'll see change occur. No, that's fantastic, Toby. And you, you, you spot on the, the younger generation seem to be really aware and alert to the issue and, and prepared to vote with their feet. You know, they won't work for organisations that don't have some commitment um, to getting this stuff right. So that's that's great advice. So, uh, yeah, if you're listening and you're, you're starting out in your career, you've just heard what Toby said, get onto it. Get, learn a little bit about business so you can influence from within. That's a great, a great piece of advice. All right. Well, Toby, listen, thank you very much for your time. It's been a fascinating discussion and I think, uh, you know, a topic that organisations um, probably need to understand a little bit more of if they haven't already embraced it because it's probably got application for you know, all sorts of organisations. If I'm a retailer, I've got multiple sites across the nation, you know, I'm exposed to natural hazards in some way, shape or form and probably multiple natural hazards in different places. So, uh, you know, everybody's probably going to be impacted and probably needs to think about how this could apply to them as well. So fantastic to hear from you and thank you for your time this morning or this evening, wherever it is the people are listening. Um, great to talk to you. Uh, can people reach out to you at, uh, is it just terran.com? Uh, Terran4D.com is the URL. And uh, and yeah, Anthony, I really appreciate you having us on the call. And yeah, any follow-ups, feel free to direct our, our you know, send our direction and, and be happy to continue the conversation. Excellent. So thanks very much, Toby. I'll stick the uh, URL into the show notes and uh, appreciate your time today. Yeah, you bet. So thank you, listeners, for tuning in again to this latest episode of Mastering Risk Management. Hopefully you found that fascinating as I did. Very good conversation and, and great of Toby to take the time for us today. So as always, please get in touch with your, your thoughts or ideas for additional podcast guests or subjects to speak about. Uh, once again, thank you for tuning in and for taking the time to listen. Uh, I'm Anthony Wilson. We'll talk again soon. Cheers. Cheers.